Why is the big book and the Bible so complicated? I believe they want to confuse you and also to be with this good and bad, right and wrong type of mentality. Welcome again to another episode of the 1% in recovery. You cannot outthink an emotional issue. Your EQ is your IQ. And we are always, always laughing every day, working hard and loving unconditionally. Now out so you can recover. You can get over anxiety and depression. The recovery growth scorecard. Using metrics to start to heal our brain, to change the rewiring, the brain chemistry. Go to the website www.lifeiswonderful.love, L-O-V-E. You can get the scorecard sent to you directly, or you can email me, your host, at hugov at lifeiswonderful.love, L-O-V-E. Use the scorecard, start your recovery, start your healing, move on, then you can really delve into step work, the 12 steps explained, therapy, anything else you're doing to help you heal. So let's get on with this episode of the 1% in recovery. The big book, the Bible, please make it less confusing. Simplify it. I can break down the big book and the Bible each to one sentence. But first, we're going to talk about why is the Bible the way it is? I personally believe that it's a way to control people, in a way to always think that you can actually get the best behavior by talking about the reward, good behavior goes to heaven, bad behavior goes to hell. And everything kind of stems from that. There's God and there's the devil. There's heaven and there's hell. Do right and you will live this type of life. And not actually realizing humans have free will. Humans will act out. Humans will do good. Humans will do bad. But everyone, in my opinion, goes to heaven. There's no such thing as this punishment that if you do something wrong, that you will live an eternity in some type of hell, oven, heat. They tried this experiment with scared straight when they used to take middle school kids anywhere from 12 to 15 to prisons. And they'd have the prisoners all looking tough, tattoos, looking looking at them and yelling at them and talking about them, how prison life is something they do not want to actually strive for. They looked at the students ten year, five years, ten years later, and it really did not curb any type of delinquent behavior. They may have upped their behavior. They may have stopped it. But trying to scare someone never will stop a behavior saying that if you continue this, you're going to go to prison. It's the same thing with addicts. Addicts have been threatened, have had some type of ultimatums 
whether it's about marriage, relationships, whether it's about prison, whether it's about a job, you're going to keep your job or you're going to get fired. And addicts will continually to do what they want because they haven't changed their brain chemistry. So they will end up divorced, in jail, fired. And then they will be claiming again that the world is out to get them. That is untrue. The world is not out to get anyone. In reality, the world is here so everyone, everyone can live their best life, can live in total freedom, <laughs> and live in joy. It's also the same thing with the big book and the 12 steps, the way they were originally written by Bill Wilson back in 1938. All the steps come out of the Bible. Now, we already said that the Bible is about good and bad behavior, right and wrong. Well, guess what? The steps actually delve more into this negative behavior, that you are powerless over alcohol, that you are powerless over gambling, that you are powerless over drugs. And they talk a lot about how unmanageable your life is and how you're big your ego is and how you need to surrender to some type of higher power. You need to take an inventory. You have you to talk about your character defects, how you have to make a list of everybody you'd harm. That's actually a good one. And then you also got to talk and think about this daily inventory. And then when you were wrong, wrong, promptly admit it. Well, here's the thing. And that's why I came up with the 12 Steps Explain. We have to build people up. It's the same thing if people actually go to a church or they talk about spirituality, where you have to just really get into the subconscious of a person. If you want someone to do well, speak life into their subconscious. Tell them they deserve love. They deserve recovery. They deserve to work hard each and every day and to laugh and to exercise and to be there for every single loved one. We will always Always address negative behaviors. Why did you commit this crime? Why did you cheat? Why did you lie? Why did you steal? Have to get to the heart of that. What is this about? This acting out in desperation, this chasing, this anxiety, this depression, this feeling rejected, this feeling of loneliness. Those are usually all the drivers of all the negative behavior. If we can get to it, and that's why I say, man, you got to be emotionally available. Once you are emotionally available, you know what you're feeling. You can tell people exactly what you feel. And you will find enough people that will love you, support you, respect you, validate you, and help you feel that you are connected. And once you feel connected, you just live out your best life. You are not going to do negative things behavior. So let's get back to those two big books, the Bible and the big book. The Bible really should be summed up with the golden rule. Do unto others as you want to be done unto you. Treat others how you want to be treated. And guess what? (laughs) It's amazing how life really starts to unfold in front of you. You act with kindness. You act with empathy. You act as just helping out. It's amazing how many people will come to your aid when you need it. Because life is not fair. 
Some days you're up, some days you're down. Some days you're kind of just like even keel. But you're always, always going to need help at some moment. And that's when, if you've always acted out kindness, if you've been there for others, friends will show up, family will show up, loved ones will show up, especially your spouse, your lover, your partner. And that is how you move forward. And the big book, how do we summarize the big book in one sentence? True freedom. We do the work to achieve true freedom, which also means ultimate health. What is your health? We talk about mental health. Well, part of those two words is the last word, health. And health means everything. It's, It's your sociological your emotional, and your spiritual well-being. So then you are interacting with all those on a daily basis. We do the work by putting that as your ultimate goal, true freedom, freedom from any type of need to escape, because that's what most people in addictions do. They escape or they act out. And you don't have, you actually deal with your trauma. Big trauma, little trauma. You also get in touch with everything that has happened to you around God, money, sex, family, growing up, and currently in your relationship. And that is true health. I talk about how to truly work step one. You have to get into your goals. What do you really want as family goals? as spiritual goals, social goals, health goals, financial goals, education goals. What truly do you want? And then you speak life into it with your subconscious, and then you create a process. That is how you work step one. That is how you move forward. That is how you truly understand the big book. (laughs) And then we get into other emotional topics as we work through the 12 Steps Explained. As you go through the Bible, you will see that most of the stories in the Bible really try to teach you some type of parable, some type of moral in the story on some type of hero. And we have to be the hero in our own story, the hero in our own life. And that is how we get to live our best life. Because once we tap into that energy, that we are not afraid that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are all powerful. Our greatest fear is is how bright our light shines, not about our darkness. That goes back to that poem about Diane Williamson that she wrote that I've stated over and over again. You have to tap in to who you truly are. And yes, You will have ups, you will have downs, you will make mistakes, you will act out. But in the end, the true essence of who you are is a good person, is that person that you are always destined to be, the person that you want to shine, and that stands up straight, and that smiles big, and that just loves people, hugs people, works hard, creates something of value. And then you get to live your best life. That is how you will truly, truly understand any of these big books, whether we're talking about spirituality, talking about religion, 
whether we're talking about recovery, we tap in, we do the work, and then we become a different person. It's not that hard, but we tend to try to make it hard to confuse people because we try to make it so ambiguous. No, everything can be accomplished, especially if you have a plan. You know you need to have a spiritual plan. You need to have a recovery plan. You need to have some type of emotional plan. How to get over whatever you're dealing with. And there is a way to start and stop. And that's what this whole Life is Wonderful.love movement's about. That is what the 1% in Recovery podcast is about. And that is how we are going to conclude this episode. <laughs> Remember, get your scorecard. <laughs>